Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode. It's a very live episode of Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and two very special guests who we will introduce in a moment. But Mystery. we are delighted and blessed to be with you tonight. So that outburst at the beginning, Steph, I was trying to bring up our Live It Gathering Guide and on the page massimpact.us forward slash live is the hyphen the dash? Is that a hyphen? I think it's a height, right? The hyphen is the dash. Live it. So sure. massimpact.us forward slash live dash it. We'll go dash. And it brings up our video for this week, which is Rockstar Week, and I didn't have the volume down. So John Paul got all over that. So, Jape, that has been uh, terminated. He's there. So He's we're, there good. For you. We're, we're good. We're um, good. Anyways, folks, a question as we are approaching Lent next week, Ash Wednesday, right? We just got off of Christmas and we're already looking at Lent. How awesome. People are still tapping, though. And, and they are. The song, the song is, is awesome. good, though. I mean, yeah. you know, soul on fire. It's what it's all about. By the way, I'm going to do a little tie-in there. Jesus goes into the desert not just to hang out and have fun and show how awesome he is. There's the an end in mind. So he comes fun. out of the desert, it says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, folks, it's good right out of the at the outset to be mindful. We're invited to go into the desert, whatever that means for you or me. That place, that context... Of, of challenge, of difficulty, to be stripped of lesser things that we'd come out of it all the more alive and all the more powerful in the Holy Spirit. And the question that I want to ask you guys, all of us tonight, is are we serious about sainthood? Are we serious about sainthood? Now, if you were to ask this in a group, I think, truthfully, we're around very honest people. I think most people probably wouldn't raise their hands, even though they're, they want to be saints. Are we serious about sainthood? Most people would recognize that it has to be more than a verbal response. Oh, yeah, I'm serious about sainthood. I think they all would say, I'd like to be serious about sainthood. That's a great response. And that's, I think, where we're at tonight, maybe many of our listeners. And I think um, to be serious about sainthood is to do something about it. It's, it's to respond to God's grace. Hey, that's a cool acronym, SAS. Are you feeling the sass? What's the sass? Oh, serious, serious about, about sainthood. sainthood. Nice. Very good. So sass. before we get to our awesome guests and we discuss tonight an awesome undertaking by two, two men, two of ten. There's a group of ten guys with the, their, their priest, Father Kidd, who's uh, joined them in this great adventure of seeking sainthood in a very intentional, serious way. And uh, I'm so moved by these guys, so moved by their brotherhood and their support of each other, so moved by their earnestness and wanting to get serious about it. They're going to share with us that story. They're in today 37 of this thing called Exodus 90. So they're a little more than a third of the way through, and they're going to be really honest with us about what this is about and what it's doing. Before we get there, that's just to pique your appetite. Steph, my beautiful wife, is going to share with us a little commercial as we're looking to Lent and this week and moving forward. So for many, we are beginning Lit Groups this week, a seven-week journey um, to, to dive into Lent more deeply. So there are different um, groups that have been formed. We've been talking about them, different couples who will be gathering for seven weeks in a row. And that last week... Um, we invite you all, actually, to join us March 20th. It's a Tuesday night at Lord's University, 615. 615, okay. 615 for a special Lenten Ignite where we can all come together and just um, bless up and praise the Lord and just 
enter into the following week, Holy Week, in a much deeper way. Did you say bless up? I said bless up. That was in honor of our daughter Annie. She always says that. Bless I've never up. heard that. Yeah. Isn't that kind of a fun little thing? It bless is. Bless up. Nice. Like praise the Lord. Let's bless up. Um, so those of you wondering what the heck this is all about, if you haven't been following. What's a lit group? It is. It can be whatever you want it to be because it's 2018. No. So you can actually make it your own, but how we have designed it, Live It, it stands for Image the Trinity. Um, Just small groups forming. You can do it in your families as a family. You can do it with your spouse, just as two of you. You could do it um, with a group of friends. You can do guys, girls. Our our big push this uh, pre-Lenten season working our way toward Lent has been for married couples, just feeling a real need. And um, lots of people had inquired about just going deeper in their marriages and families. And so it's picking a set time each week and gathering. And um, many will be using the Live It Gathering Guide. Up to four other couples, inviting them to commit with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Which can be found at our website, massimpact.us. And it's basically talking and praying together and reflecting upon the upcoming Sunday gospel and readings. Awesome, Steph. Thanks. So, um, Thanks, dude. we're gonna get we're gonna get right to it right after a little prayer here in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, you have us in this very moment in your heart and in your mind, each of us in different places, but all united in the fact that you fashioned us for your indwelling Spirit. You fashioned us not to be alien and estranged. Not to be filled with anxiety or discord. You fashion these souls for your indwelling spirit. And we invite you, Lord, all the more to claim us, to inhabit us, and to illuminate our hearts and our minds, Lord, to maybe what's standing in the way of us all the more being aware of your grace. We want to uh, walk in your light, Lord, and we are aware of the distractions. We're aware of the temptations. We're aware of the things around us that compete for our affection. All of us have them. You see that, Lord. And we just pray that tonight, this week before uh, Ash Wednesday, that you help us to be serious about this call to unity with you, which is one and the same as sainthood. We desire that unity, Lord. We know that the deepest heart of every desire is unity with you. Everything else is an artificial replacement, is short-lived. Lord, we know this in our hearts, and we've had moments of experience with it, but we just pray, Lord, here, a week out, that you you increase in us the earnestness of unity with you and with you overflowing to our marriages and our families and our community. We believe it, Lord, and we desire it, and we desire to be occasions of encouragement and support for one another in the same. We ask all of this, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, who crushes the head of the serpent, who surrounds us with her mantle, through whom you've chosen to pour forth grace deep in our relationship with our Blessed Mother, who leads us to you. As we pray, Hail Mary, full Full of of grace, grace, the the Lord Lord is with thee. Blessed Blessed art thou among women, and blessed blessed is the fruit of thy womb, womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and at the the hour of our death. death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. With no further ado, we are so excited to have Bobby McDonough and Rob Holer with us. How are you guys doing? Great. Wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. We just had a, a very nice dinner out, which is probably for you guys, being young husband, father, uh, you know, I don't know, you probably don't get out a lot like that, do you? 
it's challenging with two small children. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and uh, my lovely wife and I sometimes struggle to keep them under control in a public setting, but that's okay. They're we we do kids. get out occasionally. Yep. We awesome. do as well. I'm, I'm a little sleepy, to be honest, after that meal. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite a meal. We have him right where we want him. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So, folks, if you've been listening to us long enough, Ignite Radio Live, um, you know that we're really wanting to grow um, in many areas, but one an awareness that the enemy is active. He's active around us. We read the papers, the news, and certainly even in our own souls. The enemy has influence, and if you're like me, we may get frustrated, right, with our own vice, our own temptations and things. And uh, and which of us don't want to see the enemy defeated? Well, it says in Revelations 12, 11, how they defeat the enemy. And I know we may sound like a broken record, but again, the words come easy. Do we take it seriously? They defeated the enemy by two things, the blood of the Lamb, the Holy Mass, the grace pouring forth. And the second thing is, by the word of their testimony, God is alive in each of our lives. He's doing something. He's, he's accomplishing a work with each of us. It's, it's different for every one of us. But the word, that to, to give word to it, to talk about it, to share it appropriately to those whom God appoints, defeats the enemy. Right now, I would just want to invite you who are listening, because in a moment, I'm going to put Bobby and Rob and ask them to share with us briefly, you know, their transformational story. Give us a little bit of a background. But those of you who are listening, as you're hearing them, who is somebody right now, and what is the maybe a good occasion, somebody at work or something, where you might be able to share a work of God in your life, something he's done for you, that you can proclaim his glory? Because does the world not need to know this good news? Do they not need to know that God is not just 2,000 years ago or a figment of our imagination, but he's alive, he's present, he's powerful? How do people know that if we don't share it? So I encourage you to really right now, you got somebody in your mind when I said that. I know that. You're thinking of somebody, a family member, somebody at work that you need to maybe share a story of how God has touched you and to share that love with somebody. So just as we're all about that, we always invite our guests to do that, and they're a little prepared in terms of me telling them I'm going to ask them, but other than that, not at all. So um, we'll start with Bobby McDonough. Bobby, you weren't always the specimen of a Christian saint extraordinaire that we see you right now. Take us back a little bit Thanks, and share with us, <laughs> share, share, share with us, uh, give us a, you know, a little bit of the story of how you came to know and live and desire Jesus Christ. So I was born and raised in a Catholic family to the extent that I only received the sacraments and went to Mass on Sundays, but it wasn't necessarily practicing. We really didn't have much of a prayer life, and my mom really didn't receive the sacraments either. Uh, But my parents were divorced when I was nine, so that sort of allowed me to question things a little bit about life and about where God is at in my life. So my senior year of high school, fast forward, my dad, he's a dialysis patient, and uh, he went through a very traumatic event, and we essentially were told that he wasn't going to make it, and he was in the hospital nearly my entire senior year. Um, But he made it out, and he's doing great. He's still with us, and he really suffers better than anybody that I've ever Mm -hmm. seen. He's so much at peace and filled with joy that he really is an example of a living saint. So through his transformation, my eyes have been opened. Um, But what's more is we had another traumatic event in the family, and my mother actually passed away when I was 23 through a six-year battle of cancer. And so she was the first person in my life that I had ever seen die in the presence of it. And it really opened my eyes, sort of scared me, but 
more so made me think, what is life for, right? Why am I here? But I think it's really that we have a lack of living saints out there, and I had never met one. So through the transformation of my dad and me trying to live that also, I'm trying to strive to live the image trinity, right? That's exactly why we're here, to be with yeah. God. That's why man was created. That's Amen. awesome. Thank we need you, uh, to have you back, both of you back, to tell that bigger story, but, but very moving. Rob Holler, share with us your story. Yes, okay. So it starts off, I was born at a very young age. <laughs> um, Fast forward a little bit, uh, glossing over a lot of these details here. John Paul's cracking up that soundboard. (laughs) That was a good one? Good. I got a laugh back here. Um, This is going great. I was really worried about this. It's doing great. Keep it coming. Thank you so much. Uh, Let's see. So uh, great family. I grew up with a great family. They go to Mass uh, every Sunday. Um, You know, God bless my parents. Everyone who knows my parents loves my parents. Uh, They're a great example to me. Growing up, so I think I've always uh, had a foundation. Uh, I would say through high school, I went to Catholic school. Um, faith was known, but it was not. You know, I'd say it didn't make that journey from my head to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, I'd say I went to college, um, kind of spotty, going to mass. You know, I had fallen away from really an active practice of my faith. Mm-hmm. I probably fell away in high school at some point before that, really engaging it, but. Um, yeah, I guess I was just uh, blessed through my uh, college experience to encounter some really amazing people who took their faith very seriously. Um, a shout out to Father Mike Danderand, who is the um, he was the pastor of St. Thomas More there while I was at BGSU, and um, I was badgered to go on a retreat with a friend of mine, and we went on a retreat, and it was a very good experience. Um, and I just had an inner sense that uh, I wanted to be more like those people. Uh, at the at the Newman Center at St. Thomas More, uh, and I just say through my searching and you know I went to college. I wanted to be a millionaire and you know look for happiness. You're not now. We're no, at St. Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I make plenty of money at St. Rose. I'm doing just fine there. Um, not too much though. Not too much. <laughs> an appropriate amount. Keep donating. Yes, please. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> where was I? Uh, so planning on being a millionaire. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I guess I was pursuing happiness in, um, you know, just other places, and I and I uh, turned ended up moving into the Newman Center just through my attraction to the people there, the community. Um, and as soon as I had moved there and experienced Christian community, I said, "Oh, that yeah, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. this is what life's about." Uh, and you know, I haven't looked back since then. Certainly, it's been a journey, ups and downs, but. Um, you know, I think that was the the real awakening in my life um, in college. So, awesome, thank you. Awesome. So, the genesis of tonight uh, in the backdrop. I'm always interested myself in what are people doing to um, be aware of God's calling and to respond, particularly those who are responding. And of course, Lent is all about that. It's about um, being attuned to God's desire for intimacy with Him. And it's an occasion to respond to that in ways that are hopefully more than just give up this or give up that, but a point, a point in mind, and that is intimacy with God. It's to, to really grow in holiness. So we had Bobby over, and uh, I don't know how it came up. You and Andrew were over, and um, you were sharing. I think it's because supper, because we were talking about supper, and that entered into thought 
lot of, you know, fasting and that sort of thing. And he was sharing with me this Exodus 90 thing. Uh, and as he began to, scri- to describe it, it really sounded to me kind of like a special forces analogous to fasting and the whole deal. Like, this is a serious deal. And uh, I'm not even going to begin to describe the elements. So let's just start. And, um, you know, actually, I'm going to back it up. So start by sharing with us for you guys. Uh, tell us about your brotherhood and tell us how you guys came to uh, make a commitment to this. And then you can talk about what it is. So Rob and I are both in a men's group. We meet every Wednesday morning at 6.30 a.m. till roughly 8. and For coffee. For coffee, right. <laughs> We've been growing in number. And so typically the structure of our men's group was three commitments or so, family but spiritual commitments uh, and or personal, you know, prayer. And we would read something together. You know, we read through the screw tape letters. We were reading The Imitation of Christ and... We had done this for about three years or so and realized that we weren't really growing spiritually as much as we expected, but we were still growing. One of us boldly decided to introduce Exodus 90 to us as the next step of our men's group. And uh, it's pretty serious, but I think it's impacted us well. And we actually first heard about it like December 20-something, and the start date, day one of Exodus 90, was January 1st. Ouch. I believe it was December 20, what, 26th or so for me. It was after Christmas, yeah. So you're thinking, enjoy Christmas. (laughs) Exactly, right. Yeah, so Exodus 90 came about, and before we're even talking about it, I want to read to you their introduction, or maybe it's just the way that they produce it. And this is a program that's made by those Catholic men, I believe in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, But they say, without freedom, we cannot love. That's why we are focused on freeing men from modern slavery through prayer, asceticism, and brotherhood. It's about our wives, children, and parishes who suffer when we're not at our best. For them, we fight for freedom. That's Mm. awesome. Without freedom, we cannot love. How does that strike you guys? Strikes me as very true. What does it mean, though, freedom? I mean, just what does freedom mean in their sense? So I haven't fully understood the freedom yet, and that's the purpose, because on day 91, the idea is that we will be free, because we really are trapped in modern slavery. I'm constantly turned to my device. I have to work on it. But even more, everything is at my fingertips, right? Google or anything. I mean, my grocery list, my email, text messages, name it. It's on my phone. So we really are trapped in this modern slavery. I love you know, a certain show or game or whatever it might be that my heart is calling me to, but is my heart really calling me to that mm. thing? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've always seen, you know, freedom is, is our ability, our capacity to choose the good, to choose the right thing or the best thing, what have you. Um, and like Bobby, I think many of us were finding ourselves in a place in our men's group, uh, in our lives, in our families, uh, where we didn't always feel we had that freedom. Uh, to choose the best good, uh, to choose to do the right thing, to grow in virtue, um, and all that. So, um, yeah, so John Mark Grodi specifically, who's one of our, our small group members, Pagan. had... Uh, <laughs> I love John Mark. I'm just ratting yeah, him. Yeah, so he, uh, he proposed that we do this program, a uh, program called Exodus 90. Um, so why is it 90 days? Why do they do that? I don't know. Maybe they're going off a of P90X. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it actually worked out perfectly this year. So he, he brought it to 
to us at the end of December, um, and we decided to start on January first. So it's very, it's a very secular day to hey, let's give up chocolate and start dieting and get our life back in order finally. Um, so it, it it very much you know marks a secular time where everyone recognizes hey, maybe we've been a little bit off, mm-hmm. um, and it was a great chance for us to do the same. And the beautiful thing about the ninety days is uh, it goes right into Lent. So we have uh, goes. Into Lent, which is 40 days, so we have an extra, what do you call that, 50 days? Well, Lent is, more, you know, you got your right, Sundays, right. blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> but it ends on Easter. Ah, um, awesome. So, yeah. so cool. we really start from this, you know, a, a secular point where everyone recognizes we need to, you know, turn, change, improve our lives. We go into Lent, um, you know, which is, uh, you know, just a great opportunity for us right. as Catholics to reflect on, uh, who we want to be uh, and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, and we'll finish right on Easter. Wow. So you got a group of guys, young men, a group of 10 of them. You've been meeting on a weekly basis, which just start there. Uh, how many of us really seek a context of encouragement and challenge and support? You're already doing that. So right there is just an awesome encouragement to anybody listening. Like, do we have somebody, a group of people that gather regularly to talk and pray, and especially men, because there's men's issues and men's challenges. Um, what I also know about you guys is you guys are already, all of you are in the saddle. I mean, if anybody looked at any of you 10 men, they would say, that person is a leader in our parish. They're involved in our church. They tithe. They're trying to live the moral life and the ethical life. So um, there's something to the rest of us who are listening that might say, well, isn't that good enough? You know, I mean, they're, they're you know, probably, you know, trying hard to avoid the major immorality and yes, yes, yes. So, but there's something about this Exodus 90 that, that prompted you to realize that's not enough. And more than simply, um, you know, just do these tasks, that faith and religion and love of Christ is deeper and richer than just do this, don't do that. Something was speaking to you guys to say, you know, hey, we're made for something more. We're made for something greater. So I want to ask the question, when John Mark brought this up, what was each of your visceral response and as he laid out what some of the challenges are, maybe before we do that, give us a sense of what what is the aesthetic, the what is the yeah. challenge? All right, I have a list of our asceticism here. So first, there's prayer, and that includes reading through the entire book of Exodus. So those Catholic men have developed uh, meditations every single day, and they get an email. They email each of us every morning at 5 a.m. with the day's readings and then meditations. Uh, And our holy hour should be a minimum of 20 minutes. They also recommend that we pray the rosary every day because it's Mm. extremely powerful. Mm. Never underestimate the power of the rosary. So the ascetical program here is, number one, cold to lukewarm and short showers. And when I first read that, I thought, <laughs> I could handle that. It is misery. Mm. Every one of our guys complains <laughs> about the cold showers. Mm. It is very mm. difficult. Rob? I'm going to refrain from commentary <laughs> on this one. Can I ask a question, though? Like a lot of these, is there a sense, though, that it's painful going through it, but really afterwards you feel grace flowing like a sense of conquest? No, shaking your head. Not All right. Really. Had some hope there. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> the realism. The, right. Yes and no. That's yes and no. Absolutely sometimes. The Other grace times, of, I'm so glad it's over with. <laughs> not so. You know. Okay. For me, it's more so while the cold water is rushing on me, you know, because I jump in there for the guys, you know, and <laughs> I you actually shout that for the guys with a flag. in my head. Yeah, yeah I'm generally okay. tired when yeah. I hop in the shower. And I will say, I still have not skipped a day. I've showered every day. And <laughs> most of the Very time, good. I'm drying soap off that. of my body. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> so we got the showers. Okay. Keep going. All right. No alcohol. 
No desserts or sweets. No eating between meals. No soda or sweetened drinks. No television or movies without the permission of the group. Only music that lifts the soul to God. No televised sports without the permission of the group. Computer and mobile devices are for school and work purposes only, and also prayer. Regular and intense exercise, and also with Exodus 90, they have an exercise program where every day we're going through specific exercises and stretches, roughly 20 minutes or so a day. Group prayer and meetings, it's a minimum requirement that we meet once a week. And also with that meeting and fraternity, we have an accountability partner. So each of us 10 guys is assigned a specific partner that we check in with, hopefully every day, but, you know, life happens. Um, No major material purchases beyond toiletries, et cetera, without the permission of a group, and then a minimum of seven hours of sleep each night. And in addition, if anybody's interested here in Exodus 90, um, by the way, you can see all of this at www.exodus90.com, but something that they don't mention on their website when you're reading here is, first of all, it's $45 uh, of more of a donation or tithe for all of their work and material, uh, and it's great stuff too, fully worth it, but also that there is a fasting portion too where Wednesdays and Fridays of the entire 90-day period are to be treated as Ash Wednesday. You abstain from meat and you fast. So that is the ascetical program. So folks, as you were listening, we could go through those again. He read them quite quickly, but for them it's lived. Like they're they're living this. They're day 37 into this. And uh, some of the notables, uh, of course, no alcohol, no sugar. The device thing, of course, is huge to limit that to simply work and school. And, school. School, and you said for prayer also. You're talking about the uh, physical regimen, you know, up to 20 minutes or whatever every day. Um, so you've got these aesthetics. And as you guys heard this spelled out, how did it play out? Describe how the brothers um, interacted with this presentation. When you first heard so it. So when it was first, I'll share my experience first. Uh, you know, so I, I get a call from John Mark, and he he says, hey, are you interested in doing this program? He sends the information. I look at it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah well, I could, do, <laughs> I could do some of that, and I'll be better if I do. If we do it, even if I don't do it perfectly, you know, I'll be better. Okay, some of it. I'm like, I don't know. I, you know, I was really unsure. Uh, and I thought, okay, I could do it, but, you know, obviously I can't do this one because, you know, me and my wife got to watch this TV show once a week because that's her thing. So I don't want to get into her thing. So I have to watch it with her, of course. Right. Uh, so, you know, I came up with my list of exceptions of like, oh, well, this is why, you know, the reasons why not. Um, and I think, you know, just over time and and it was a great chance to reflect on, you know, the question of are you serious Freedom. about becoming a saint? Yeah. You know, that what you proposed earlier. I think, um, you know, like many people, I'd say I'd like to be serious. Um, and I, you know, I found as I've, you know, maybe I thought it was, yeah, for whatever reason, I said, okay, I'm in. And uh, everyone else ended up saying the same thing, too. So t- 10 guys, which is pretty incredible. Bobby. I've always been intrigued by a test of the will. I love that kind of challenge. So instantly I was all for it. Like, yes, you know, this is awesome. It's a, such a challenge. It's like a game for me, right? Now, you've run three marathons, yeah. so you're <laughs> familiar with self-sacrifice. Sure, yeah. But it also brought me back to my roots of this is what we're here for. Again, you know, what more can I do? The saints were not lukewarm. They weren't mediocre. So how better can I make my life, right? And what does that include? And I don't know, maybe this is it. They keep asking on the website, what will you become on day 91? Who knows? 
the same person, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so so you said yes, and you have your accountability partner, and praise God, you've got great traction. You you, you know you both have have reported that you've been very faithful to this. Um, what's the fruit that you deduce so far, relationally, emotionally, uh, with your families? Share some of the fruit that you experienced. Before, before, can I interrupt and of course pause you can. Yes, that dear. question? So we got your reactions. What about your wives? Yeah, I was going to say, mm. if you really want to know, you should just ask our wives. Yeah. <laughs> so, we get the real story. Yeah, so our wives actually also have a, a women's group. Uh, and, you know, some of us have reported back. They're all talking about, oh, this is great. Oh, you know, I actually get to spend time with my husband and everything. So uh, they, were, they think the program is a very positive thing, mostly. Same here. Yeah, she was watching me do my exercises today and helping me count (laughs) my rounds. Um, But yeah, I think the best fruit out of this entire thing for my family is the quality time that I spend with them. Mm. Specifically, my wife has been so much more fruitful. It's been Mm. truly one-on-one, like I'm 100% engaged. I hope. I hope she can attest to that. Okay, now you got to... Fill that in a little bit. So you've been 100% engaged and even tied into what you shared with me when you're with your kids that implies that in the past you were less engaged. How were you less engaged such that now you're more engaged? What stood in the way? My mind is constantly running full speed. And what's more is I can't really seem to be focused on one thing at a time. And it's something that I'm working on slowly but surely. My work requires that I multitask. So I tend to do multiple things at once all the time, even when I'm not at work. So I've been working on trying to do just one thing at a time and not think about an email or my phone or keep it at the ready. So as my commitment for Exodus 90 started, the very first thing I told myself is I'm going to have my phone ready for text messages and I'll respond to them promptly because that's important, right? People need you. Um, But other things, email, something else that I need to check or look at or purchase diapers on Amazon. They really can wait. <laughs> yeah. Rob? I think, um, you know, the, the the best fruit of the program so far, the biggest difference is just clarity of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, when you put away all these other distractions, and there's so many distractions for us uh, that are offered in modern life, um, you know, you, ha- you have free time, you have space, you have silence. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, something that is, is very, you know, you know, it's just foreign to us. I think there's a lot of noise out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the program just focuses on, um, like, the journey out of Exodus, setting, setting aside, um, you know, our slavery, the things that were trapped. And then, you know, part of that freedom uh, is an encounter with God. That's awesome. As you were both speaking, and I know, Bobby, you were painting a more vivid picture that maybe I was relating to. Uh, certainly you spoke of the phone there, but if you're playing with your kids, even just allowing yourself that you might check it is mental debris, is distraction mm-hmm. that, that causes a fog in our time and attention to our kids. And I suspect by contrast, when you don't have that, you made the decision, I should say, not to have that. as a, You're not going to do it. Either the phone's in another room or it's off and you choose not to. You discover a new space of intimacy or intentionality. And I recall when I was at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, which apparently this program emerged from seminarians at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, uh, Mother Teresa came. And what they said about her, I was curious if I'd have the same experience. So we seminarians were blessed, privileged to meet her. 
And as we went up one by one, you know, there's a room full of seminarians, actually in the chapel, um, to come up to her and have her put a miraculous medal in my hand and to see her gaze was saintly in the sense that I was the only one in the room. There was no one else. She mm-hmm. was uncompromised. She was undistracted, and I'll never forget it to this day. And, um, you know, I think about those that we love. How often, brothers and sisters listening right now, you can't even sit down at a supper table, or you can't even go to a restaurant, you can't even sit down at a couch where somebody's not pulling their device out, um, or looking around, or lack of attention. I mean, we felt that on the receiving end uh, of people, it's just become cultural. I hate to say it, where are you really with me? Are you really listening, really paying attention? But certainly on the human level, as you're describing that, and the blessing of being able to cultivate that. But to me, what that says about our God, like he wants uncompromised attention. Like he is, he is wanting one-on-one with us. He's wanting intimacy, and it's our greatest desire. But let's face it, the enemy, who doesn't want that, um, can we see maybe what would the enemy do to take away that great ultimate pursuit of intimacy with God? He give us these, these distractions. Yeah. I mean, for any of the guys out there listening, even if Exodus 90 doesn't appeal to you, I challenge you, if you have kids, when you're around them, doesn't matter what age they are, put the phone aside and just look at them. And it's amazing. I, I've seen my kids in a, a new light. Now Jack is four and Emma is two. And just looking at her differently now, it's just like, when did she learn to walk, you know, and recalling these moments and looking at her fingers in a way that I'd never seen them work. And now she's growing rapidly. But still, I've really come to appreciate life, it seems. And thank you for mentioning, Rob, the silence Mm. is huge because I have so much more silence in a day. So let me ask you, Guy, go ahead. Sorry. You mentioned with kids, I would even speak on behalf of wives, you know, those who are empty nesters or don't have the blessing of children there are so many women that I've spoken with personally who that is such a cross in their marriage. Their husbands who are constantly checking, constantly um, attached to always needing, you know, that device. And so if you want to give that challenge, ju- you know, oh, yeah. even just with your wife also, because that eyeball to eyeball time. Sorry, yeah, especially with your wife. Yeah. I'm sorry. I oh, no, 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 no. Because I know with so the true. kids, it's, it's you know, and then it mm-hmm. affects them, too, because they just, that becomes the new norm, and they're not frustrated with it per se, but mm-hmm. just that's what they come to know. But just so many heartbroken wives who just long for that, you know, connection without the device anywhere near. And sometimes I know when that challenge has been made and the husband has risen to the occasion, it takes a lot of work you know, to feel comfortable not having That's it. That's key. Or yeah. Yeah. Comfortable, because we become so comfortable with operating at a more superficial level, not needing to engage our souls and our minds. And that passive, let let something else fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Folks, you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live, and we're very blessed to have Bobby McDonough and Rob Holer with us, two men of a group of 10 brothers in Christ, their age, who are um, really, you know, on a course of, of seeking sainthood and doing something about it. And they're sharing with us their experience with this program. They're 37 days into a 90-day, 91-day experience. Um, you can find out more about this, by the way, at exodus90.com, exodus90, exodus90.com. You can find out more
more about it. And um, obviously, we're a week out from Lent, and we're encouraging you all to really look at what stands in the way. What are the distractions that keep us from greater intimacy? And I can say, uh, with my family, we've been praying about this. We've been talking about it. And while we have the standards, you know, sugar and whatever the case may be, give up. You know, um, a couple things, like I felt for us, we want to and need to say at a certain time, because in our home, it's our, you know, Image Trinity, our comp organization, nonprofit, it's, it's, our home is the base. And I, as dad, need to be challenged to, to shut it off. You know, I really, sometimes I can't, literally, because there's a critical thing and we're understaffed. But uh, I got to shut it off at five or six, and I've been saying that, and to really that the whole family would be together, whether it's reading a book, playing a game, writing. I really think God wants to do something, reclaim that. And, and those of us who are listening, we know it's more difficult, depending on, the difficulty is unique to each group of kids, however old your kids are. We had the challenges of the little kids. Now they're teenagers. They have jobs. We're taking them to to and from work at night. They've got sports. It's more difficult to gather together to eat together. Anyways, I digress just a little bit. I want to ask the question. As you guys have encountered poverty and privation, you've encountered uh, hunger because you're not eating food that maybe you wanted to eat before. Rob, you were sharing mm-hmm. a little bit about that. You know, you're facing these spaces and, 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 you know, you were used to before turning to, if say it was snacks, to going and getting a snack. Or if it's a spiritual space or mental space, you'd fill it with a cell phone. So with these spaces, how are you finding, uh, filling them with the right stuff? How is that going for you? And what difference is filling the space, whether physical or spiritual or emotional space, how are you filling it and what difference is that making? So, so I would say, um, you know, like I, I shared with you earlier, I think it's a... Uh, you know, you're given a choice. So when when you're able to set everything aside again, you're given a choice to choose to fill your time well or poorly again. Uh, certainly, you've taken a lot out of a lot of the major players of here are the poor ways I could spend my time watching, you know, Netflix all night or looking at my phone for no reason or any you know things like that. Um, I think for me. Uh, reading has been big. Spending time with my wife, we've you know played some more games together. Uh, Bobby, Bobby here, he loves games. He he plays those all time. Uh, so that that's a go to for him. But um, you know, prayer, just just really being able to be comfortable. We say not doing anything, but um, not needing a distraction. Uh, I think that comfort too. I would say I found some degree of that, but it took some time. Uh, to get into it, it is at first, like you said, it's uncomfortable uh, when you don't have all of these things. Like the first week, I'm like, "Well, what the heck am I going to do with all my time?" So, um, Rob, how in spe- how in particular has your prayer life changed? How has your relationship with God been enhanced? Well, I'll share that. You know, I've always kind of struggled with uh, keeping a regular prayer life. You know, it's something that we all strive to as Catholics, pray daily and everything. Um, but really, committing you know time to it. Uh, has been a challenge for me. I just, um, for whatever reason, everything else seems more important. And um, this program has really just taken a lot of a lot of those things in everything else, uh, and, and made time and not only time, uh, but a desire, a capacity to pray. Uh, so I would say that clarity of mind allows me to enter into silence and to prayer more easily, more readily. So uh, it's been excellent in that respect. It's not something uh, praying now is something that I. Uh, dislike or I don't want to do or I got to put it off um, but it's you know it's something that it's it's worth my time Bobby 
It's interesting you asked that about the prayer life. So it's something that our men's group has struggled with for the three years, right? And I think about a year ago, it was a year ago because you came to Don's farm and suggested that we offer a decade of the rosary for our wife. And it was at that time that I started praying a rosary every morning on my commute to work, and I haven't stopped. It's been great. Mm-hmm. And so for Exodus 90, because of the rosary commitment, I I thought I'm going to do this during the weekend too. So I offer it to Our Lady uh, for my wife generally or another struggle of the day depending on what it is. So it's been more fruitful, but it's also been dry Interestingly, I would think that this would be like a time of spiritual fire with the asceticism, but it's weird. I'm, I'm struggling to look for some sort of inspiration. So I, I go to Mass as often as I can. I have been doing that for some time. And Holy Communion during this time is so profound. And especially not only am I emptied because of our commitment of asceticism, I am emptied spiritually because I've been so dry. And so I simply sit there in my prayer and just bask in the Lord's love. I really, and the daily holy hour, you know, the, the holy hour of 20 minutes, what I'll do generally is I'll read the readings and then the daily meditation, and then I'll just sit there and most of the time forget what I even was supposed to be meditating on by the end of the 20 minutes. But I'm just remaining in the Lord's love, you know, mm-hmm. or looking at the cross. And that's really what my prayer time has been about. So perspective, I see two young men here, but for audience sake, Bobby, how old are you? 29. 29, okay. And you've been married to Katie how many years? Seven, coming up on seven. Beautiful. 29 years old, seven years, you have two beautiful children. And one on the way. And yep, one on the way. It's April 19th, yeah. Fabulous. And Rob, how old are you? I am 30 years old. Okay, Ooh. 30 years young. Like that. 30 years young, sure. Okay, and married to Katie, three, three and, and a half, half years? years, yep. Yep. Okay. Um, and the men in general, um, what, what's roughly the age range? You guys like late 20, early 30-somethings? All of us, yeah. And so there are three of us who don't have children. The rest of us have very small children. <laughs> so, folks, I, I just have to praise God in, in the example of these young men aspiring to be saints, a large ish group of them, 10 of them, committed to seriously growing together and encountering God all the more. Um, And, you know, for any of us who are out there, many of you, maybe grandparents or older parents or whatever, you know, what an example. Uh, What an example for all of us um, to really receive the grace being outpoured. And when I say receive it, um, how often do we hear this at these great conferences, right? Receive God's grace, receive an outpouring of the whole, yes, yes, yes. But this is the piece of it that says that receipt requires a more vital cooperation. It requires a a sincere looking at our lives and sincerely asking, you know, what is in the way? I use the phrase, the metaphor, because we lived near the Niagara Falls in Erie, PA. So I like the metaphor. um, God's grace is pouring out like a Niagara Falls of grace. You know, it's a wonder of the world. It's pouring into us powerfully. That's that's like the, the, the constant. The variable is, what's the junk that we have in the way? How many of us are, you know, kind of asking God, you know, I, I just, I, I'm struggling or I'm dealing with these temptations. And that was, by the way, share that in a moment, you guys, how that was the origin of this, starting this, just dealing with real temptations. But how many of us keep fighting the same stuff? Maybe we're praying, God, do something about this. But it takes an act like this to step onto the water with the fears, with the concerns, knowing you're going to need to rely on God's grace to sustain you. You're going to need something beyond you to transcend you, and which of us don't really need to know that there's more to our lives than just our physicality, that that God is truly alive in us? 
and that he will sustain us. So I can't imagine the gift of brotherhood that you guys have experienced, right? I mean, certainly over the three years, but in particular doing this pro, I want to call it a program, this grace together, right? Um, So I can think of the practical ways that you're connected. Share a little bit about the spiritual connection that you guys have felt with each other. Well, I would say, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with is having, you know, deep friendships, people you can really share, you know, your struggles with, you know, to be really honest with. I know um, so many people who are outside of the faith or secular mm-hmm. culture, um, we, we end up with this superfe- superficial level of friendship, whether it's over sports or, you know, whatever whatever other thing, uh, and they stay, it stays at that level. Um, I'd say with, with pretty much everyone in the group, I, you know, I feel like, you know, I could talk to anything, share anything with them, um, you know, just the, the support I have in my life has just been, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. We've really grown as great friends, and they warn you throughout all of Exodus, and they continue to warn us every every day nearly, maybe not, but you cannot do this without fraternity. You need brotherhood, and you need to lean on each other because it it's not something you should do alone. And the other thing is, it is imperative that we are joyful because it is really easy to be grumpy when I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And I, I, I'm so sorry. I'll I'll speak to that not being able to do it alone. Um, for anyone who who is looking for that next step and everything, um, I think we are able to take this Exodus ninety step because we have such a great uh, community, uh, mm-hmm. such a great brotherhood uh, that has allowed us to uh, to take this step forward. Without it, like I mean, there's no way I'm giving up. You know, I'm right, giving up. Right. I'm on my own. No one else is doing this. For the guys. You know. Can you can you share the story about one of you who had not been faithful to one of the commitments and the effect that that, that had? The, that's the story given in the um, the. Go yeah. Ahead. So in throughout our daily meditations, each week there's what they call an action list, and they're rather inspiring. And last week, I think it was, we had one where. A man decided in the morning that he really needed a hot shower, and so he did and took one and learned that that day he was very heavily tempted in a sexual nature throughout the whole day. And when he shared that with his group, they just stared at him in wonder because all of them were severely tested that day. We specifically don't have any of those moments yet. Uh, it's only day 37. Let's see what happens. So if it happens, you're on the phone to all the brothers. <laughs> what did you not do? Who did it? Who did it? No, but that just shows that powerful connection. I'm sorry, I'd forgotten it was the, the, from the meditation thing. Um, yeah, but that that's just awesome to show that for better and for worse, right? Just yeah. the power of that grace together. We need not peacefully coexist with vice. We need not peacefully coexist with discord. We need not peacefully coexist with these attacks that are contrary to God's grace alive within us. And I think what you're giving witness to is that these are battle plans. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how many Catholics really take it to the point of seeing biblically, and in our Catholic faith, the grace that God gives us are, are the means to fight are the means to seek that transformation, that it is a joy-filled thing. It's not just, you know, we can go in a certain direction and we're not going to go as fast going backwards. So it's not just, oh my gosh, look at all these temptations. It's when we turn around and we see, well, this is what I get to have. And I'm hearing both of that from you guys tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of Exodus, one of the first things uh, that they start to talk about, um, 
you know, as we go through the story of Exodus, we follow Moses and uh, freeing the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt. Um, so, well, I lost my train of thought here. That's okay. I'm going to have to pass it on here. <laughs> Sorry. I'll come back to that. No, that's awesome. You, no, you just, keep it thinking. So, Bobby, if you want to touch quickly, Greg had um, referenced it a little bit, but the actual beginnings of um, Exodus 9D was to overcome some serious mm-hmm. addiction. Yeah, so they suggest actually that, so Exodus 90 was written specifically for men and by men who were discerning vocation. Uh, so it was actually, the whole program was made by seminarians and uh, mm-hmm. discerning vocation, but really any difficult decision in life. And what they have found is that it really has a healing power. Mm-hmm. So men struggling with any kind of addiction, whether it be smoking and especially a sexual addiction of any kind, this might be a healing answer to freedom. Yep, yep. And going back to my my first thing, which I had some time to think about while Bobby was talking <laughs> here, uh, it is it very much stresses the idea that um, not, the, the reality that it is not us who free ourselves. We have no ability to free ourselves. It is God who frees us. It is God who calls us to do Exodus 90. He delivers um, us. It's the God, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we do all of these things. We we prepare the way. We, we, we obey in some ways. But really, um, the work of freedom that I feel, you know, happens interiorly for us, uh, the growth that we experience, the holiness, that step forward, uh, is a gift from God and is done by God. Yeah, it's awesome. all about reflecting on our baptism, the grace that we received at our baptism, because it is not thought about often, it seems, and also finding a new life in Christ. That's what Day 91 is really all about. So I've asked the question in, in our you know our listening audience and everywhere we go, we're trying to convey that we've got to be about more than another program. Um, that real indicator is when what we do is just a way of life. Uh, you know, I, as I've spoken with people about even our lit groups, you know, one, one couple had expressed um, reservations because it, they'd be stretched too thin, which I wasn't going to explain. We're successful when people don't see this as just a fleeting season, but truly is integrating into a way of life that is blessing us, and you don't want to end because at least we know as small groups, and that's a big part of what you're doing, um, are essential if we're going to live out this faith in some way, shape, or form. There's got to be committed, accountable, faith-filled small groups. It's the evidence that we're getting from all the stats of what what distinguishes churches that are succeeding and those that aren't. So um, what are you guys thinking now with regard to Day 91 and continuation? And maybe it's even hard to even think about. You'll see when you get there. But you know, how much of this is becoming in your minds and hearts just a way of life. Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we kind of brought this up a little bit earlier. Uh, I've been reflecting a lot on day 91 and, um, you know, the absence of television in my life, uh, the absence of computer screens and, and a lot of distractions has been such a positive for me, uh, that, you know, I've, I'd even thrown out the, the, Hey, maybe we, do we want to keep a TV in our house? Um, I don't think that's the route we're going to end up going. Uh, but I know personally, while I don't have it all figured out, um, you know, day 91 can't be just like, you know, the day before day one. Yeah, it's it's very tempting to think, you know, good night. When is this going to be over and can <laughs> get my life back on track? You know, I want to start enjoying life again. That's really not what this is about, because the the real grace that you feel, it's all about those feelings, right? It seems very... Protestant, evangelical. If you Catholics aren't feeling much, 
I challenge you, Exodus 90 is for you, because you really do feel God's grace working if you can persevere. You know, so there's um, an emphasis that we ought to have with people who are listening and us now. The most popular prayer, as it should be, is the Lord's Prayer. And hopefully we're praying it every day, and certainly it's even in the Mass, but we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Would Jesus ask us to pray a prayer without fulfilling it? without a means to fulfill it. And that's been striking me a lot as I just crossed over into 50 and just kind of asking, well, we don't necessarily look around us in our own community and see the kingdom, even our parishes. We don't look in this region and see like a, a flourishing, um, a, a radiant um, people coming in droves to, to be filled with this emptiness that they're experiencing. And so at least I, for one, and many others, why isn't this happening? What you guys just pronounced right there is at least an answer to it, and that is we've got to really get into God's heart and in his mind and respond, and the grace floods us. The grace, to a, in whole new ways, floods us and awakens us, um, and, and it's a conquering grace. It's a conquering grace for us. It's a conquering grace for our wives and our families. Let me ask about that overflow um, to your wives and to your families. If they were here, um, how would they answer the question, what difference is this making in my husband's life? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> I think my wife has found it fruitful. Uh, now, if you ask my two-year-old daughter, she would say the opposite. She probably thinks that it's a burden on her because I've found that when I'm on my living room floor doing push-ups for the daily exercise, she's telling me no and to get up. <laughs> Earlier, she was saying, move, daddy. So <laughs> Her little cross that yeah. she's bearing for Exodus 90. Yeah, it's just a short time, Emma. I will pick you up soon. <laughs> We both have, truthfully, our audience, the godly dispositions. I've known these men for a while. Um, but I, I have to imagine or wonder that this is a, is a great tweaking to our, our attitudes, to our wiring, and who doesn't experience that more than our wives? I almost no. maybe impressing you. I don't want you to answer the question um, inauthentically, but I can't imagine that they're not experiencing from you guys greater self-possession, greater magnanimity, greater empathy, greater insight. Do you sense any of that emerging more than maybe it was before? So uh, I would say when I first started doing it, uh, my experience, I may have annoyed my wife even. Uh, I, my sure. experience was a, a hyper-awareness. Um, I think that has a lot of coming down off of all this stuff uh, that, you know, the distraction and everything. Um, but it, you know, really, I think it's more settled now into a a more steady awareness, and and I'm sure my my beautiful wife would say, I have to throw it, throw that in there, uh, she is beautiful, um, very, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, that she would say that the pro- program has been very good for me, um, yeah, and it's it's just been a blessing to our marriage, you know, I think, um, you know, it's not like every every little you know struggle or thing goes away, uh, but. I definitely think uh, we have a deeper uh, discussions now. Uh, we spend better time together, so much better time together. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's it's only been fruitful for my marriage. I mean, maybe that's the best fruit of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only at day 37, so we'll see after day 91. Awesome. That's been a common theme in our whole group. Every one of us has reported an increase in quality time. It's just been so much better. Big plans, big whatever. It's just thoroughly enjoying our time as if we were first together. Um, I would, for, oh, go mm-hmm. ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I mean, we've experienced our own struggles. It's been interesting for me with my wife being uh, 29 weeks pregnant mm. yesterday. 
Um, so we've had some other struggles there too. And um, <laughs> with God's grace. Amen. Yeah, Amen. It, it has been wonderful. Being the only female in the room, I'm going to have Bobby talk about something while I read. We only no, have I'm a moment here. Okay. Uh, okay. No, but just I can't imagine as a wife not being supportive, even in the frustrating moments, perhaps, that I'm sure just being real, you know, there may be. Um, but just that deepening relationally as a spouse in that prayer and support and um, being able to encourage and being able to maybe be more understanding with whatever, you know, that sacrifice is for that day. Um, So in those ways, what a blessing for marriage also, you know, certainly the quality time that you're speaking of, but again, even on that, that spiritual level. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 6th. Today we celebrate St. Paul Miki and Companions. The 26 men and women we honor today, the first martyrs of the Far East, remind us yet again of the price followers of Jesus have paid throughout history. Jesuit brother Paul Miki, a native of Japan, has become the best known among the martyrs who died in 1597 during a period of harsh persecution of Christians. His companions, who also lost their lives, included a Franciscan, St. Peter Baptist, catechists, doctors, artisans, servants, elderly men, and children. What bound them together was their common faith and their love for Jesus and his church. Paul Miki continued to preach Christianity in his final hours. While hanging upon a cross placed on a hill overlooking Nagasaki, he forgave his persecutors. Following the crucifixions of Paul Miki and his companions, Some missionary work continued. Finally, Christians were forced to go underground until the 1860s when Japan was reopened to the outside world. Upon their return, the missionaries found little trace of Christianity except around Nagasaki, where local Christians had secretly preserved the faith. The martyrs of Japan were canonized in 1862. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day.